Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And this is The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Are you pregnant after loss and struggling with the anxiety and fear? Well, this course is for you. Our Pregnancy After Loss course is designed to calm, nourish and nurture you through the turbulent waters of pregnancy after loss. We have experts covering the following subjects. Nutrition for pregnancy. Mindfulness and hypnobirthing to guide you through this challenging and healing time. How to keep active and exercising through pregnancy. To find out more and book, click the link in our show notes. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today we are honoured to be joined in the studio by Amrit Denser-Brown. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me both. No problem at all. And uh, we were just saying to Amrit before we start recording that this is a very rare uh, occurrence Mm -hmm. because me and Laura are in the same studio. Here we are together. For the seventh time ever. For the seventh time ever. Yeah. That's amazing. I can see them. It's true this week I won't let you talk you know me I'll say yeah yeah of course you do all the talking Nora and then I'll interrupt you and um probably with some analogies most likely okay <laughs> you, you go you go then Nora okay um so tell us how you became a member of the worst most wonderful shittest brilliant gang that there is I will yeah so I, I guess I became a member at the beginning of this year so fairly recently Um, Although it seems like such a long time ago, um, I lost my baby, my first baby at 11 weeks, it was by then, 11 weeks and three days. Um, So the backstory there is, I guess, my husband and I, we were apart for 10 months last year um, because of COVID, the lockdown. So he was in Australia, I was in the UK, um, and we had a couple of cancelled weddings. And then he finally made it over in November time um, last year. We got married on the beach um, in Scotland in November, which was freezing, but brilliant. I'd have definitely chosen Australia in that scenario. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that was our first first port of call, which was last April. But um, we locked down in March. Um, So we're just so thankful to to get married finally um, after 10 months apart. Um, And then we thought, well, I was 38 at the time. Um, my husband's older he's got two kids from his previous marriage and we just thought well we want to have kids why don't we just start trying so like not like full on with the apps or anything and planning but we just thought oh we'll just see what happens you know really really casual so we had the wedding to think about and just starting a whole new life together as well um with my stepson too here and um so we got married a few weeks after they arrived and then a week after that my period was due and 
it didn't come. And I was just like, whoa, uh, I think we need to do a pregnancy test. Um, but I didn't think, you know, I just thought oh, that's impossible because that's so fast. Yeah. Um, but of course, it's not. <laughs> um, we were. Um, so it was a faint line. And I was just like, oh, let's wait a few more days and just see because, you know, I hadn't hadn't been trying before, didn't know about my own fertility, even though obviously he he had two kids, but they were quite a bit older. Um, and then, yeah, that was a strongly positive um sign there and we were like okay so that was fast we just got married but now we're pregnant brilliant you know great Mm. deal with it that's that's fantastic and super exciting and just took it day by day we were in lockdown by then again in the UK so I hadn't seen my family or anything sorry when you say you took it day by day had had you ever considered that there might be it might go wrong have you got friends that have been through miscarriages or anything like that yeah, um, so I think that's part of the the stigma with miscarriages that I had actually a lot of friends who went through it, but I didn't know at the time. Right. And um, I had told my one girlfriend, we told one person each just for that support for being pregnant and in lockdown, and she had actually um, had a miscarriage. Um, so at that point, I just, I was quite, I was, I called myself naive, but just really quite oblivious and thought, well, I got pregnant and let's just see how it goes. Um, my symptoms were always like really quite mild. Like I just had some queasiness, like not a huge amount of nausea, but I did start kind of showing around nine, 10 weeks. The bloating was there, the food aversions were there and mm-hmm. mood swings, like super emotional and everything. Um, so I didn't think anything more of it I just thought it was all going really well and thought oh wow I'm acing this pregnancy this is brilliant this is not too bad um and then it was January um just a few days before my birthday so on the 23rd that uh we went for a, a really nice walk and like no one knew at that point just just one friend each because of that silly 12 week thing that we we have which in hindsight I wish I had told a lot more people like, including my family um, we went for a walk and came back and then I just I started bleeding and it was just spotting at first. But, you know, when you just know that there's something wrong mm. and I just I called my midwife and I said, look, I don't think it's good. And also my symptoms, even though they were so mild, they had just totally gone mm. that week or just before. And I told my husband, I said, I feel totally normal. I just woke up one day and felt normal and like didn't feel like hormonal didn't feel so pregnant just just like my old self um I was 10 weeks at that point about 10 and a half and then so it was really close to the scan and so I thought I'd tell my family on my birthday about the baby because that was just about a week off the scan but I yeah lost my symptoms I called my midwife and she said well call the early pregnancy unit and see if they take you in um but you'll have to kind of egg it up a bit like ham it up and and say you know it's you know I'm really really suffering here otherwise they they won't really take you in if you're just bleeding because that that can be common it could be something else um but I did say I've lost all my symptoms too and they said okay we'll get you in but you have to wait two days and that was on my birthday then that I had to go in which sucked but I did have the day off so I thought well that's all right I've got the weekend were you were you still a little bit hopeful yeah about spotting oh it can be normal and yeah exactly Uh, but I just kind of knew 
in my heart that something wasn't right as well because my symptoms had gone. Um, so I had the weekend and I thought, well, maybe I can try and rationalize this and deal with it over the weekend. And I'll go in prepared on Monday. Of course, nothing prepares you for that. I think um, you, when you when you have any of this, these things, you search for hope, don't you? Because I see so many times in our support group, people saying, um, oh, I've had a bit of spotting. And I feel, has anyone got a positive story who's had some spotting mm. and their symptoms have gone? Yeah. And everyone is all, always clinging on to that. You never, ever want to trust, to believe what might go wrong, do you? Exactly, exactly. And then you can spend hours down that rabbit hole thinking, well, it could yeah. be okay. It's, it's totally normal. Um, but I had to kind of, I guess it was self-defense, like preparing myself mentally to some level that I wouldn't, that it was unsuccessful and the baby wouldn't have a heartbeat. Um, So we went in, like got up at 6am on my birthday. I had to not talk to my family until after the scan. And obviously that was the worst bit afterwards. I was telling them when they were wishing me happy birthday, it was thank you, but like today's not the best day. I was pregnant and and we've lost the baby. But um, the actual, the scan itself was really surreal because they treated it like a normal scan. Um, so like who can see your baby on the screen when you go in and, you know, like we'll we'll sort this out. And I just said, no, I'm pretty sure that I'm miscarrying right now. Um, and that so that was quite surreal. It was like, why are you treating it like a normal scan when I'm coming in? Because I think I've lost the baby. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, basically very similar to some of the, the ladies on your podcast was they, they turned the screen off, they went quiet, they brought someone else in, mm. actually, like, no one said anything, and I had to be the one to say, um, so I take it there's no heartbeat then? Because, oh, really? Yeah, because they just didn't, didn't say anything. Um, and it's just like, yeah, we're really sorry. Um, the baby stopped growing around uh, eight weeks. Um, so, again, it's your body kind of tricking you into thinking you're still pregnant for a few weeks after that. Um, my husband had seen like uh, the baby on the screen so at least that was something but I wish I was given that option just to know that that was real at that time because I I just had kind of nothing you know at that point okay, you didn't you didn't see the screen no oh wow Did they you, wouldn't show me they they wouldn't show you but your yeah. husband saw he saw it because he was at the end of the bed so they had a screen there that they were looking at and yeah. the one by me they had turned off so I couldn't see anything. Um, and then, yeah, they yeah said, we're really sorry. There's no heartbeat. Um, you can, they gave me an internal exam after that, which was super painful, actually. Um, and then took me into another room, did the talk of here are your options. But we recommend that you go home um, with some painkillers because of the COVID situation, I suppose, more than anything. And I thought, well, okay, I would feel better at home. I'm not massively into hospitals. And if it's going to be manageable, I'll give it my best shot. I, I guess you've it, already started spotting. So yeah. I think they would have thought that things had started to progress. Exactly. Um, yeah, six painkillers and then told me it would be like a heavy period. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the classic. Oh, classic. Yeah, um, that old chestnut. And then so that was on the Monday. And then, yeah, the, the bleeding got super, super heavy. Lots of clots. Um, 
I was just trying to ration my painkillers basically as much as I could. Um, but of course, you don't know. Well, you know when it's over, when it's over. But whilst you're going through it, you think, oh, maybe that was it. Um, so like like huge amounts of pain, huge amounts of blood. And then I think by Thursday it had stopped. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. Like within those huge clots, there could have been the baby. I don't know. Um, and then it got to like Thursday afternoon and I just I looked at my husband across the table and I just shook my head. I was like, I need to I need to go to the bathroom now. And I just had to just be there and like sit on the loo for about three hours oh. at that point, which was just the most intense pain I've ever suffered in my life. And my painkillers, I hadn't had one left at that point and that didn't work. I vomited went into shock, um, still couldn't pass what was there. Um, and basically my cervix had just become completely blocked up with the, with the blood clots and, and the, I couldn't pass my placenta and I couldn't pass the, the egg sac, which I, I kind of intuitively knew because my husband went off to get some pain, more painkillers and anti-nausea tablets from the doctor. And it's when he left, I just I crawled into the, the bath and just put put the shower on and I just thought I'm just going to have to kind of do this myself otherwise I'm gonna gonna pass out and I'm gonna end up in in hospital before long I just kind of had that tiny bit in my brain just that tiny rational thought through all the pain and I just thought well I'm just gonna just start taking out the clots that's just what came to me I was just like universe help me like guide me tell me what to do so I did I just I started taking out the clots and then within a few seconds my placenta came out and the egg sac in my hand um like about the size of my hand actually and then the pain went immediately after that wow um, you on your own Blimey. Mm-hmm. yeah I just that, I knew that's the only thing physically that I could do to get through it without going to back to hospital and so the relief was huge and because I'm I guess I'm a scientist by training and so I was amazed actually that was my first thought was that's incredible that's absolutely amazing um that you know I grew this and this is part of my baby this is my baby's life here and that's that's amazing um and so I, I kept I kept the placenta and, and the egg sac and it was covered in clots and that was the thing I couldn't really fully tell mm. um if the baby was there um but I know the pain had gone and I felt a lot better so I just I I kept what was there of my baby and and preserved it just kept it in the freezer for a bit until I called my midwife she came over and was doing the rounds luckily so she checked on me and she checked um she checked the the contents and said yeah the baby's probably in there um really really likely we can check if you like and I said no do you know what I just want to keep it as it is keep them as they are and we just had a little ceremony in our garden and they're like they're buried next to like a mini Christmas tree that we were going to have for their first Christmas so I get to talk to them every day which is Mm. it's fantastic but it's been it was it was very traumatic physically and then of course the mental and emotional trauma comes after yeah Yeah. gosh so the fact that you were by yourself must have been incredibly traumatic and how did you deal with that trauma after afterwards really for me it was I just needed the pain to go I needed to let go of my baby because it had been a week right almost a week since I started spotting and 
I knew that my body couldn't take any more pain and I knew I couldn't hold on to my baby anymore. And it was, I just felt that it was the only thing that I could do. Um, So I just did it. And just like my, my logical brain just kicked in. And I guess it's the same in labor when we have our babies and the contractions and we just want, we just need to birth the baby. Right. So it kind of felt like that. It was a very primal um, innate instinct, a very intuitive instinct. Um, And so the, the physical trauma of that hasn't that hasn't really affected me too much um but the the emotional and the mental pain afterwards it took took a really long time and still working through it because you know grief it just it changes it lessens maybe over time or we just we deal with it and get stronger and more resilient but um the following months were were really really tar- dark really really tough and that day was awful because I had to tell my family on that day what had happened. Yeah. What about your partner? How did he cope with it? He was just amazing. He was just so strong. He was like, just dealt with everything. He cleared my vomit up. He got my painkillers for me and just helped me through all of it. Um mentally emotionally like it it hit him a lot and he spoke to some other um dads who had lost their babies as well which was really really helpful and then a lot of my friends when I I came out on social media a few months after they had told me their stories um and and yeah the difficulties they had so he was very very stoic very strong really supportive in that sense for the physical pain but the mental and emotional pain sometimes he wasn't sure what to do like you know and I was just kind of crying and just wanted to hide and not talk to anyone for for periods of time mm. um but yeah he was he wasn't queasy at all luckily he was pretty good and you you mentioned that your husband has uh children from a previous relationship like has that affected you have you found that difficult to to deal with um yeah it's been interesting because um his son lives with us um who's 14 now and so it was that difficult time because he knew that I was pregnant and that he was going to have a little brother or sister because we couldn't really hide that living together in lockdown in the same house and we wanted to tell him and I don't think he received the news so well that time um I'm just being used to being pretty much an only child because his sister was so much older. Um, but then when I lost the baby, he was like super sad for me, I guess, and and his dad. So he was really, really sweet. He um, he dealt with it really well. Um, and it was just something we had to navigate together as a family in a pandemic and lockdown. It was, it was very difficult, but um, I think... We managed to get through it all right. And he's, yeah, he's a really mature, good lad, really. I couldn't have asked for a, a better stepson, to be honest. Well, that's that's really good, isn't it? And how have we often talk, obviously, you know, about the ugly feelings. Did you struggle with the ugly feelings? Tell us a bit about yeah. that. Definitely. Um, because like generally I'm quite an optimist and quite a positive person, but I'm also I've realized throughout this a bit of a control freak. And that was the thing that I couldn't control. So I thought that the pregnancy was was going really well, and then it was just taken away. Um, and it was just like, I've got no control over this. And then if I get pregnant again, I don't know when that's gonna happen. 
I'm I don't know how um and like that was just terrifying for me letting go um and I felt angry so I was I was sad for a while, super emotional, particularly when we weren't getting pregnant afterwards when we were trying again, which I couldn't rationalise because I thought, oh, we got pregnant so fast the first time. That's mm-hmm. going to happen again. That's that's going to be fine. And, and it didn't. Um, and yeah, the anger surprised me the most. I was just angry at the world for doing that. Angry at the universe. The Like my first child was just taken away. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that surprised me, that emotion, because I'm not normally an angry person. So I had to try to work through that, like, in a, in a constructive way, um, which was difficult. But I'm I'm very, I suppose, I want to ground myself every day. I'm quite a spiritual person, and spirituality got me through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of Reiki healing and, and shamanic work on healing ancestral female wounds and some some crazy stuff that people might find a bit out there but for me it really really helped and meditating every day um and just trying to to let go and um, but work through the grief and and also sit with those feelings and know that that was all right it was all right to feel angry it was all right to feel sad every emotion was valid for me and and for my husband we often think that we shouldn't be feeling those things and that makes us feel so much worse doesn't it I can definitely like that anger resonates with me big time because I, I'm also a control freak and a lot. Are you? Of... <laughs> I, I didn't know that, guys. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but a lot of what I felt, and then I felt guilty for feeling it, was the fact that, as you say, you've you've got to the point of falling pregnant, and you're like, yes, I'd never have to think about this anymore because, for me anything that you have try, trying to control, anything that you can focus on in, in life, for me, gets completely overwhelming and I get, take it to the crazy degree and I like to feel that I have a control over everything. So a lot of when we lost our baby was, uh, oh my God, I can't believe that I have to go through the, all the ovulation stuff again, all the, you know, all the well-timed sex, all the, all this stuff I'm going to have to now do again. And I thought I was sort of home and dry and I never had to think about it again. And now it became completely overwhelming. The fact that I, I now had to enter again into this world of, I don't know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen, which I find really, really difficult. I think you get more obsessed with it as well, don't you? Because you, Mm -hmm. the, the desperation to have a baby steps up a notch. Yeah. It does. And, you know, before I was, that's the first time I've ever been pregnant in my life. Um, and I thought it would be great. But, you know, we, we have my stepson and um, I love animals. We'd have dogs. I was thinking about adopting in the future. But after losing that baby, I thought, oh, I really, really, really want us to have our baby mm-hmm. um, like more than ever. And then, yeah, then I tried the apps and then I tried the timing and then it went like a bit crazy. And I was like, why isn't this working? This should be, this is like science. And why, why can't I get pregnant? Am I, do I have secondary infertility now? Was that just a one-off um, just chance event that that I can't, I can't make happen again. What what's going to happen? And it was it was a horrible time. Those first few months, it's, I just thought, well, what can I do? It got to the point where I just had to delete all the apps and yeah. delete like 
not even think about trying and I'd given up alcohol I'd given up caffeine I was like exercising like a maniac and I just thought I didn't do any of this the first time I was pregnant you know we were married and drinking champagne and then a week later I found out I was pregnant so what am I doing here um and so I just yeah just let it all go and thought you know if it's meant to be it will be otherwise we're going to go to the doctor we're going to make it happen we're going to see what our options are and so tell us where you are now. <laughs> yeah, so you probably see these wristbands here. It, I did um, up on the sickness sickness bands. Yeah, I am 16 and a half weeks pregnant now. Oh, oh congratulations. congratulations. And how Thank are you, you feeling other than sick? <laughs> yeah, so I did I did have um really, really bad morning sickness, which for me was kind of such a contrast to the first pregnancy and I thought wow this is so different and I know it doesn't mean that you know the pregnancy is going well necessarily you can have all the symptoms and then still your baby stopped growing or yeah. it's not a viable pregnancy a bit more confidence yeah yeah I, I was terrified first and um, so we got pregnant in June and we've been trying since February which is for a lot of people a really short window but for me in my period of trying it was four times as long as before and when it actually happened I was just in shock I I didn't I didn't think it was going to happen again I was like oh oh wow we actually oh we actually are pregnant this is amazing but the fear the anxiety like thinking I was going to bleed every single day not telling I we, I told a lot of my close friends because they knew I'd, I'd lost the baby um, and I told my family before the the 13 week scan as well because I just wanted that support network around me that I didn't have the first time I really needed it mm. um, and so it's been once I saw the scan and and saw the baby and we went to a different sonographer my midwife had explained what had happened with the first one and he was amazing he looked after us so well he took us through all the steps um he asked what we wanted if we wanted to see the screen and um the baby was there just kicking and wriggling which is like literally the best day of my life yeah um and then after that it's that's been a few weeks and so I still I still get scared I still get fear if um, I'm starting to feel the baby move and then sometimes I can't which is really normal of course because it's sporadic around this time and um, but I always still have that little bit of doubt until I think probably I actually hold my baby in my arms I'm, I'm always going to have that little bit of worry um, and that little bit of self-protection as well I think to know that if it did happen again or something happened that um, I need to find a way to get through it. But I don't want to live in that fear. I don't want to live in that anxiety. So I'm just finding ways to to be grateful every day, to feel Mm -hmm. joyful for being pregnant right now, because I am. Um, And just, just, yeah, take it day by day, because that's all that we can do, really. Absolutely that. Mm. One day at a time. It is such a... it's so hard isn't it because absolutely everything that you've just said but you still have this lingering fear oh it's so bittersweet isn't it yeah so bittersweet it's such a shame but you know such such a, a an exciting time as well and I'm really pleased that you're finding time in your day to kind of acknowledge that thank you and be grateful for it yeah I think um it's just it was hard, but I thought I don't want to not enjoy this pregnancy. This is I'm like 
when I have the baby or being well, I'll be 40. I'm probably not going to try for another baby after that. My husband is in his 50s. We've already got the two stepkids as well. And so um, if all being well, I, I want to look back on this time and just think oh, how amazing it was actually yeah. and just not not feel worried and sad and anxious all the time and just kind of cherish those moments. That's lovely because I I was the opposite and I was worried and sad and anxious for every minute and I deeply regret it, but couldn't snap myself out of it. But that's great that you've got those coping mechanisms and those mm. things to to keep you positive and hopeful. And it's and really, grounded. I think it's great to to acknowledge that they work as well. We talk a lot about gratitude mm. and we have a, a you know a specific um, gratitude week during our online course and it is really important to acknowledge the fact that it works and it does it's not one of those things that works overnight is it you have to be constant you have to be mindful in your gratitude but it does make a difference it absolutely does and one of the first things I did actually was to I was doing um there's a book called The Magic by Rhonda Byrne I don't know if you know it but you you write down 10 things you're grateful for every day for a month it's 28 day gratitude practice and it was during that time that I had uh, lost the baby and so I thought you know what one of it was really hard to do to be grateful after that for sure for anything so you thought oh life is shit this is this is crap. What can I be grateful for? But I did actually write down um, 10 things I was grateful for, for even having that experience of being pregnant with my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, It taught me so much as a person. It changed me profoundly. I've um, birthed my own business and and social enterprise from it as well to support women after miscarriage, uh, a lot like you guys, and just me through Reiki healing and counselling and care packages. And that would have never happened if I hadn't gone through this. And now the empathy and the compassion is, it's so real from that lived experience. And, And without that lived experience, I think we wouldn't know. And I would have been one of those people who said to me something really, really at least really awful yeah, yeah, um, I'm totally on the same page as you there I think it's lots of people it's a really difficult thing I know that I've changed for the better and I wouldn't have done if I hadn't experienced you know the loss of, of a baby but I don't think it's it's not an easy thing to get your head around is it and for me obviously with starting with Laura the worst girl gang ever is a very obvious um something very obvious that's good that's come out of it but for everyone else it's not like that yeah I think it's a really difficult thing to talk about yeah because you grieve that baby that you lost but then you also grieve that part of yourself that you know carefree person that you that you once were and you grieve that you'll never experience pregnancy like another person like someone who's not had a loss before as well it's um it is a lot to come to terms with and it and it isn't as simple as you lost that baby no. you go through life more and more things happen that make you realize the enormity of it mm. Mm. it's such a journey and I think it still takes me by surprise sometimes 
Um, and just just hearing my my friends and family and them telling me their stories of losing babies, you know, fifteen years ago and not speaking about it or Isn't losing that the- crazy that yeah you've got people close to you that you never knew this about them until you were open about it yourself. Exactly, and so I think that's what it is. Is uh, like a lot of that releasing that judgment and um, that we we have the fear of of telling people, letting people know, and giving people that safe space to even to talk about it because it happens all the time you know it's one in four in the UK it's 850 deaths a day um and but oh we're my still God. That's really 850 a day in the UK yeah yeah um, and minority ethnicities are, are hit a lot harder as well um, and the care is is not there. It's very hard to find. And so the things that, that you do and a lot of practitioners in the field I think that's available and we have access to it and even just coming and speaking about it it's, it's a huge huge help in the healing process um that now that we do have these outlets i think it's incredibly important but the nhs need to do more we need to make a lot of policy changes in this country and and across the world um so hopefully we'll keep getting there by spreading the word yeah i think things are happening mm. even in the last year or so it just feels like people are talking about it more maybe that's just because we're engrossed in the world but like even celebrities and you know companies bringing in the miscarriage policies and things like that feel like it's happening albeit like way too late and way too slow but it is it's happening Mm. it is and that one thing I thought was really bad and it happens to a lot of ladies I'm not sure if it's the same in England but your the pregnancy support unit is really next close to the labour ward and even when you yeah. go in to to have maybe a, a dnc or a medical management it's actually in the labour ward or, or buy it and so you've, you've got all these really it's just it's, it's awful so, it's so difficult isn't it but i guess like from a practical point of view and a you know it's the same it's the same staff isn't it it's the same kind of people with the same specialist knowledge mm-hmm. that have to run both so from a financial point of view that's that's why yeah, but I think they are changing. So now there's a, I don't know if you read about a lady in Glasgow who campaigned for um, the the wards to be separate. So the pregnancy unit um, to be separate from the labour ward, but she's one. Um, so now they're, they're moving it and make it in a completely separate area so that women who are undergoing loss don't have to to see women in labour and be around that and see pregnant women. Because I remember that was one of the things that I saw when I came out of the, the scan was um, just turned to my right and just saw all these pregnant women who were about to go into labour. I just thought, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't even process that right now and I need to right. leave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just want to run, don't you? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And, um, you know, huge congratulations on your current pregnancy. And Thank you. Hope it all goes smoothly for yeah, you. Yeah, keep in touch. Let us know. I will do. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, good luck with the rest of the series as well. Thank, Thank you. you. Nice, nice to meet you both. All right. Keep take care, Amit. Take, take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review, and we'll see you next week. And to find out more about our pathway to recovery, please visit our website. 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.